Bring it. Hello, welcome once again. Yes, here we are. Can't wait for another exciting episode, and I'm sure you can't either. It's me, Ben Simmons, was my as ever esteemed colleague. Me, Martin Hill. You, yes. Uh, couldn't help but notice that you stole my catchphrase. Did I? Yeah, you said it's me, Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> when your catchphrase is me, is it a catchphrase? I don't know. It is now. I've made it. A ca- I, I've done it so regularly <laughs> that impulsively I cannot stop doing it because of my own ego. Yeah. And now you come along and swoop <laughs> and take it away within seconds of starting. It's like when uh, WWE gave uh, Stone Cold the catchphrase, what? Which I think <laughs> must be one of the most regretful things they've ever done. Um, yeah, probably. And also the most common thing people say, what? <laughs> yeah. what, what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Now, um, that was a slightly frivolous start. This could potentially be not that frivolous an episode because we've got, well, a mixture, really, of uh, of light-hearted and very heavy-hearted topics in the same oh, episode. Heavy, yeah, we don't do frivolities well, do we? No, but, it's, um, it's a struggle. It's, yeah, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be hard. Uh, what have you said? What did you say? Yeah. Hard-hearted. Hard-hitting, hard-hearted. They're both things. I can't remember what I said now. I'll have to listen back. Uh, hard-hearted. I don't know. But, yeah, we are back. We did miss a week. Apologies for that. Again, you know, stuff going on at work. Life goes on. Get over it. Um, <laughs> if you want to complain, tweet us. None of you are doing. Yeah. After, get, after getting the numbers that people are listening and downloading this stuff, well, yeah. I'm quite surprised as to how... None of you seem to be tweeting anything. And before my brother kicks off, I know we don't tweet either. But we need something to tweet against. Yeah, let's let's some put ideas, a, some topics, some questions. Let's I think put a plea out. We should have a uh, ask Ben anything. Oh, I like it. Yeah, that's a good idea. And I Maybe think that let, everyone should get on Twitter and ask Ben a question, which I will put to him. Yeah, good idea. We'll reiterate that at the end of this episode, and we will make that the potential thing for next week. In case nobody bothers to tweet, then we'll have to come up with something else. But if you do, the <laughs> yeah, program so else it is. <laughs> is Feud for Thought. The Twitter is at Feud Thoughts. So find us on Twitter at Feud Thoughts. Tag us in a tweet tweet about us go on our profile and just tweet us at feud thoughts ask a question for me it can be like what is it like recording these with the legendary hill it can be how do you cope with the hill it can be nothing about the hill whatsoever it can be questions you've always been desperate to ask me at feud thoughts just pause this and do it now and then come back to this but i'll mention it again at the end anyway yeah uh, yeah, pause it do a quick, I like that. Do it. Do it now. Now. Do it. Do it. Do it now. Right. You've done it. Thanks. Anyway, yeah. this episode is going do to... Do it now. Do it. <laughs> do it now. Do another one. <laughs> this episode that you've come back to, well done, is going to link the bizarre topics of Eurovision and war. Now... Many people will have felt like committing war after the Eurovision result didn't go the way they hoped in various past contests. But it links together because everyone in Europe has been more unified since the war in Ukraine started. Eurovision happened the other day. Ukraine were the clear winners, mainly because of the public voting. 
And uh, that will have annoyed Russia. There's been a recent invasion by Russia that they don't want to call an invasion and they don't want to call it a war, but everyone accepts it is a war. So bizarrely, sometimes in this episode, we're going to be talking about Eurovision. Sometimes we're going to be talking about war. So uh, a lot of info you just threw at people there. But yeah, that is what is happening. We are going to be chatting about these things. Uh, First up, though, uh, Eurovision. Did you watch? Do you watch? Are you a fan? Now, bizarrely, I cannot. Well, that's a bit. I'm not stunned. It. I've no, hang on. It's a bit. <laughs> no, wait, wait. It's a bit of a harsh way to put it, but I can't stand sitting through the whole program because there's so many what I would call under par songs and the handful of ones you kind of go, oh, all right. So I don't ever want to watch the the actual program, but I do get fascinated watching the votes come in and watching the leaderboard change. Maybe it's my part, my brain that's attracted to statistics and numbers and things like that, but I do enjoy it. And I think as soon as that public vote came in for Ukraine and took their score up to 600 and something, it, it was evident that we weren't going to win then. But I was shocked that after years of Brexit-related doldrums, Eurovision-wise for Britain, we were second and incre- had a chance of winning right up until the end. Yeah, it was great. It's one of the the best results things um, I've seen in a while because completely unexpected. I did think Ukraine were going to win regardless, which yeah. is slightly unfortunate. Yeah, for numerous reasons. Um, but we'll get into that in a bit, to be fair. What's your, do you have a fascinating fact on what topic of the... I do have a fascinating fact, and it's related to the topic of war. Okay. So uh, let me get what this up. What is it up. good for? Yeah, well, absolutely nothing. Yeah. yeah. Let me uh, get this up in front of me just so I do the correct stats. But did you know a ridiculous fact, the shortest ever war that has taken place was in August 1896 between uh, the United Kingdom and Zanzibar, the Sultanate of Zanzibar, and it lasted between, nobody's absolutely sure, but it lasted between 38 and 45 minutes. <laughs> there was Is this, a- this sounds like lesser war and more an argument. <laughs> well, exactly. It does. I, I don't know how it counts as a war, but according to this report, the immediate cause of the war was the death of the pro-British Sultan on the 25th of August and the subsequent succession of Sultan Khalid. The British authorities p- preferred a different person who was more favourable to British interests, uh, but he didn't get made Sultan. And uh, the British considered this a cause for war and sent an ultimatum to the new sultan demanding he ordered his forces to stand down and leave the palace. And in response, he called up his palace guard and barricaded himself inside the palace. And uh, then British sailors attacked Zanzibar Harbour. There were 500 Zanzibar casualties, roughly, and one British casualty, at which point the Zanzibar sultanate declared uh, that they'd lost and then gave over and were ruled by Britain for a while. So, uh, yeah, between 38 and 45 minutes, war was declared and then it ended. Right. You look- so hang on a minute. <laughs> Someone got voted in. As a new Sultan of Zanzibar. Within 45 minutes of him being voted in, We'd contacted them and said, we're not happy without you being here. Well, you need to, to come to us or we're going to attack. 
They it, said no. We attacked them for killing what four people, and they went, "I all right." <laughs> uh, right. Hey, I wasn't going to read this all out just for length. Well, you don't. Time. You just have to clarify. I'm just. I'm surprised as to how quickly they gave up. How yeah. quickly we went. We're attacking you. Right, just, hang it, on. All seems very, it seems like an argument. Well, yeah, well, indeed. What I left out in the agreement made on the 14th of June, 1890, so six years before, instituting a British protectorate over Zanzibar, a candidate for accession to the Sultanate should obtain the permission of the British consul, and that's what had not been done. And that is why it was a cause for war as far as the British um, government were concerned. And the ultimatum expired at nine in the morning on the 27th of August, by which time they'd gathered uh, ships in the harbour and attacked. After At 9.02, they attacked and set the palace on fire. And, uh, yeah, then the salt, yeah, it says, hang on. Sultan Khalif received assignment in the Ger- asylum in the German consulate before escaping to German East Africa. The British quickly placed Sultan Hamoud, who, which was their preferred candidate, in power at the head of a puppet government. So, right, so totally sounds like we were being dicks then, by the it, way. It does a little bit, yeah. It, uh, it, but I'm still well, I'm, I'm shocked by this. We declare war. Okay, you win. It's like they're being, in the modern era, for instance someone relinquishing power over a country and us going, well, you've promised to put that person in power next and them going, no, we're going back on that. We're putting this person in power. We go, but it's a legal document. You promised if you don't put this person in power, we're going to have to declare war. And they go, go on then. So then we declare war and then we send a load of ships and blow up stuff. And they go, oh, we didn't think you'd actually do that. You win. Well, the way you've said it there kind of makes us sound less like dicks, but I, <laughs> I do, I, you know, if they've broke the rules that were agreed, well, not the rules, but if they've broken an agreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's different. But the whole kind of, well, yeah. It does seem a bit Surprised bizarre. And- that. Good fact. That's probably hey. one of the best facts you've given me yet, Ben, because I'm, I'm actually, uh, yeah, yeah, taken by that. Good. Uh, right, my, right, over, um, over to you. Two truths and a lie. Again, I've done it this the normal way, just because it works out that way. I okay. did kind of focus on Eurovision, not going to lie. Fine, fine. Uh, so, fact, uh, point number one. The most countries to win in one year is four. Okay, right. What, to yeah. win? Yeah, to win Eurovision, yeah? Okay. Eurovision, the song contest. It's a big <laughs> thing that happens every year. Yeah, right. Uh, number two, no one has ever won from performing in second position in the final. Okay. Number two. And number three, the UK is the most unsuccessful country in the show's history, finishing last a whopping nine times. Oh, wow. Uh, and only uh, one is a lie. Yeah. So... One time somebody won it four times. No, no. one's... Oh, no, so no, one time four countries won at the same time, is what you're saying. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's what the, I said, yeah. Yeah, and the other one was uh, no one's ever won after performing second. Yep. 
and then the one the, the other one is the uk is the least successful well i looked at winners i don't know all right in terms of coming last i don't know about that but i was surprised i think the uk's won it five times four five times sandy shaw won it lulu won it uh lulu bucks fizz won it um katrina and the waves won it and did abba represent us or sweden i can never remember that uh but anyway uh, abba was was funnily enough with abba uh abba won it so originally when the eurovision song contest started you had to sing in your native language Ah, right. Yeah. And then up until I think 77, that was revoked. And I think in 78, ABBA won with Waterloo. Yeah. Or it might be the other way around, 77, I can't remember. And then in 77, they put it back into play and they said, no, you can only sing in your native language after ABBA won for some reason. Everyone went, oh, well, look, you can't be winning stuff in different (laughs) languages. And then uh, I think it got... I think it was 99 and uh, 1999 until they reversed that again. So most Eurovisions, people had to sing. At least, I think the lyrics had to be in the native language. Okay, right, right. Well, Just a little I'm... tidbit for you there. Yeah, that's quite nice. I didn't know that. I like it. I'm going to say four countries won at once. Uh, you can't win from... No one's ever won from second... Or Britain is the most unsuccessful. Because we've won it a quite a lot of times. I'm going to say that cancels out the last. Although we have come last a lot because everyone hates us. Oh, <laughs> everyone does hate us. So <laughs> yeah. it's really uh, bizarre. I'm going to say it's the four at once thing. Four at once is a lie. Oh, you were so close, Benjamin. You were uh, right the first time. It was. Uh, Norway is the most unsuccessful country to go into the competition. They've come last nine times. Okay. Uh, which is, you know, amazing. To be fair, the uh, Sandy Shaw was the first one to win it. It took us 11 years to get that win. Right, right. Started, considering, you know, we were one of the uh, whatever. Uh, but in 1969, yeah, four countries won the Eurovision. UK, Spain, France and the Netherlands all came in with the same score. And up till then, there was absolutely no uh, setup for a tiebreaker situation. No oh, one yeah. thought of the possibility <laughs> that they might get the same points. So when four of them racked in, the country, uh, the... Um, like the organisers. EBU, is it? The organisers? They yeah. kind of had to say, uh, all right, well, you're all winners then. Well done. <laughs> but then the year after, now they have uh, contingencies for any tiebreakers. Right. I'm not right. sure what it is because I don't know if there has been a tiebreaker since, but I don't know what the what the thing is. But at the, at the time, there was no rules. Yeah, I guess now they have so many public votes, they could say if it was a tie, we'd just go on the millions of people that voted or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Uh, well, that's what gives the cha- that's what stops it now, I suppose. Well, uh, supposedly stops all the. Uh, ironically, the public vote came in to stop all the political voting that was going on, and it just outright <laughs> did a load of political voting, <laughs> which was crazy. It did um, used to really wind me up. I remember even as a teenager going, "Oh, look, Greece have given uh, Cyprus a load of votes, or Turkey has not yeah, given Cyprus shocking. a load of votes." Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, there we go. Spain and Portugal have scored each other very highly. That's strange, isn't it? Yeah, and also- I know it's really weird. Uh, I, and yeah, the other thing was that no one who's ever sung second has ever won 
Um, oh yeah, so that's true. The composite, wow. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Bizarrely, it's the most unlucky number to have. So if you ever draw that, you're probably <laughs> kicking yourself because the people in the competition must know that spec, and you're like, I'm second. Oh, that's yeah. it. That's me. Game over. Um, it it, it times- is weird though. Going back to what you... Sorry, cut you off. Go for it. What? No, I was going to say, the amount of times Norway have gone second and be like, oh, for God's sake, we're the least yeah, successful yeah. anyway. Sorry, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's a draw. I don't know how they decide who goes in what position, but I think it might be a draw, like a lottery system, whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah. It is weird, though, like you said, about uh, you know Greece voting for Portugal and stuff like that. Uh, that This ties in, kind of, with what we're about to say. That it's so... Like I, it's so political in the in the countries voting sometimes, or yeah. how it used to be when everyone was like, no surprises there. Yeah, but to genuinely think, and this is probably worse than your fact at the beginning, that if Greece didn't give points to Portugal for the singing contest, that yeah. it might lead to animosity between the countries. <laughs> it's it's just, and I'm not specifically picking on Greece, but just that. That situation where they think, right, you are my neighbours. If I don't give you a point, even though your song was the most yeah, cringeworthy thing well, uh, I've seen on TV, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you might not be my friend, so I will give you some points. I know Please like me. But it's a, it's a little bit like anything. It's just it's got this sort of... This sort of atmosphere with it eurovision it's like any sort of talent shows and stuff it's so annoying knowing they're manipulated and stuff and you just hope something like eurovision it could just go on merit and people would just be voting on what they actually liked the best to hear you know all right there's a performance element to it as well so the whole performance but yeah it's it's, that's how it should be and who cares if you don't win this year you win next year like you come yeah exactly it's that whole thing of you, know, you have to vote for such and such because you know I, I hate it. I hate yeah. it so much. Because the whole and that's reason, the one thing about Eurovision that I despise, the whole I, reason for Eurovision. the existence of Eurovision is to sort of bring Europe together for one night and make everyone feel closer to their the other countries in their continent. You know, and it ends up sometimes doing the opposite. Where do you stand on the fact it's called the Eurovision Song Contest and now has Australia in it? I find that a bit weird. Well, that agreement's up next year, so I don't know what's going to happen after that. There was an agreement that could enter until 2023, I believe. Oh, right. Uh, I, I think it's over there. There's... It's it's not the most controversial entry that you could go with because technically they are part of the Commonwealth, which yeah, is yeah. Europe, which is UK. There is a really tenuous link yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Under those banners, you could have a lot of different countries that are under the coat, like Canada should be rocking. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's really weird that it happened, and I'm not 100% sure how the agreement came to be, but yeah. still, it did. But um, I don't know. It says here, actually. So 2015 was the first year they went in. Right. So they've, okay. They've oh, wow. Is it that years. long? I didn't realize yeah. it was that long ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 2015, Australia took part in the contest for the first time. Uh, it says here, despite being an estimated 8,752 miles from Europe, <laughs> uh, the Aussies have been back every year since, and Australia's participation in the contest has been confirmed by the European Broadcast Union and Special Broadcasting Service until 2023. Right. Uh, so I think after 2023, I don't know whether they'll st- stick around or, or not. If I were them, I'd say no. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> yeah. back in. That's it. <laughs> Can't see me winning this one. And also, if they do win, 
and this stands back to this year's if like I can't see half a Europe rocking over to Australia for a yeah yeah well that brings us to the other problem and the link with our two topics for this podcast because obviously with everything that's going on in the world there was a huge sympathy for Ukraine and whether there was, was actually the best song or not which I doubt having heard a little bit of it at the end well, um, I'll say this. This is what I was going to say earlier, which I thought that we'd come back to. Yeah, I, I personally thought the song was quite good. Okay, I don't know. I don't know if it was winner. I would have out of all the songs there. Uh, I genuinely thought um, the the top three that were left were the best ones, which were yeah. us, Sweden, and Ukraine. Yeah, I thought we had the best. But the Swedish one could sing. Uh, the we had a good singer, and by all accounts, he came across as a genuinely nice guy. And in yeah. all the interviews with him, I think he did really well. Yeah, uh, yeah. To represent us, and I was I'm delighted for him. But I also thought the Ukraines weren't a bad song. It starts off a bit dodgy, and it turns into a quite a decent song. Yeah. The yeah, problem yeah. is they're never going to get noted for the song being decent. It no, will only no. be noted as a sympathy vote. And in that respect, I kind of wish they hadn't won because I just kind of think it sets the wrong kind of image and the wrong kind of thing that they want to be synonymous with is, oh, yeah, we won this because, you know, Russia was kicking the shit and killing yeah, uh, yeah. half of my countrymen. I don't think that should be a reason to do it, but in this climate, that's what happened. So uh, yeah, having they... said that, it was good. So I don't, I can see why people felt okay voting for them. Yeah, and sure. It was the public vote that put them there, not the jury votes? Yeah, but then the issue that arises um, in politically, I suppose, is that traditionally the winners of the Eurovision Song Contest host it the following year, and there's a very real chance that this time next year the war in Ukraine could be over, but it could still be going on and therefore it would have to be hosted at a different venue or how would they even play it then? Well, they, could, they couldn't they could host it in Ukraine I mean, if the war was still going on. Oh, I mean, they could try, but it, no one will be there. It's going to be someone's back garden, is it? Uh, do it yeah. by Skype. Everyone Skypes in the song. <laughs> It'd be uh, like from, COVID again. It'd be yeah, like yeah, lock, lockdown Eurovision. Yeah, uh, there is that issue. There is that problem, and that was everyone's immediate thing. Um, I, I could be wrong, but I'm not a hun- I don't know when the winning country became the host because I don't think that was the thing from the beginning. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I seem to think like the founders of it were like UK, France, Italy, Spain. Do we know? I like- think wasn't the first ever winner. Switzerland, I want to say. Yeah, it was Switzerland. But I think the second Eurovision wasn't that France. Uh, I don't know where it was held. Oh, no. Ah, uh, yeah, well, it wasn't in Switzerland. Yeah, it was in Frankfurt, apparently. The second... Germany. It was Germany, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're the right. It fir- was so... the first one in France, the second one, Germany. I don't know I where... I can't you... remember. Yeah. But France, okay. Germany, UK, I think Spain, the biggest, the, the richest countries in Europe at the time, I think, were the founders of this. And they used to invite people to come in. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. at some point, I think when, you know, countries got richer, things got sorted. I don't know when the governing body took over. I don't know what the situation was, but it became some weird tradition that the host. So they could have a proxy host. So they yeah. could still host it, maybe, in. Um, 
I don't know. What's next to is it Poland next? Yeah, yeah. Time? Poland's nearby. Yeah. They could uh either I'll have them host it or yeah, sure, yeah. Do it by proxy so the hosts go over there and they just use that safe space. Because you need a big arena with I mean, how long do they use it for? They've got all the heats, they've got all that stuff. Yeah, kind of yeah, sure. So you need a good two, three weeks in an arena safe yeah. from from war and bombings and I don't even know if there are is there a, presumably there is a big arena in Ukraine if it's been oh yeah well there's huge I, I know there's huge football stadiums that have been they must have huge infrastructure and stuff that is as of yet undamaged in parts of it I don't know but, but in um, a country that's got a hell of a lot of rebuilding to do I think it's also unfair although yeah. they've said apparently the president has said of Ukraine says we'll host it next year. Yeah. But I think realistically, you've got to say, look, we've got to rebuild the country, paying the amount of money, although I think it is funded, uh, to host the next event is crazy. Yeah. yeah and I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, look, we're happy to be the winners, but these guys can do it. Or just say, look, UK, you came second, you can hack it. Yeah. We do it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. If we if we do it, I'm going. That's for sure. Really? Right. Yeah. Right. Nice. Let me let me just work this out because we used to when it started. All right, you said it was eleven years till we won, and then we sort of regularly won every within five years, wasn't it? Like Sandy Shaw won, uh, Bucksfizz won, Abba won, um, then <clears throat> Lulu. Oh, Lulu was before that. And then, but the last time we won was 25 years ago. It was Katrina and the Waves in 1997. I remember that song. And I just think what annoys me about Eurovision, it's not even like an arrogance of, oh, the UK deserves to win because we create so much professional great music. But when you think about the sort of number of performers and singers there are here that are churning out stuff regularly, I know it happens all over Europe and everybody's doing it, but the quality of our musical output does seem high and it does seem crazy that we haven't won that for such a long amount of time. And I know it's got political with the last 10 years or whatever, or seven, six, seven years We've come nowhere as a result of that. But it's bizarre to me that we've been so long without a win. We have been yeah, a long time without a win. And we've I, I thought the guy last year did a decent job, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He did not deserve zero points. Well, that guy but, this year has had a, such a meteoric rise with Sam Ryder, isn't it? And he just started yeah. off on TikTok in lockdown singing stuff. And I don't know if it was original stuff or covers or whatever and got noticed on TikTok then it's got, I don't know if he got a record deal first or got approached to do the Eurovision song first and whatever, but he's he's going to be set for life now. He's going to he's gonna be great, isn't he? Yeah, and that's what it should be about. I, yeah. I always thought that they had to be unsigned talent that went... Well, to me, it's better if it's unsigned talent and they get notoriety because of their Eurovision song yeah. rather than... I mean, I don't think it is, though. I think Abba, uh, was Lulu unsigned when she went in? Abba, these are all big names. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Big names I... at the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, we hosted it in 1960. So, yeah, we hosted it in 1960, and we didn't win until 1967. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there was a bit of a... 
uh, a mis- mixed match there. The French and the Italians have won quite a few. The but they used doors. to make it a talent thing for a few years. I remember when I was a kid, a song for Europe where there'd be like six or ten entrants and one night and then the British public all voted and that won the right to be our Eurovision entry. And then that stopped over the last few years. It's just sort of been automatically chosen by some panel or committee or something, hasn't it? I think. Uh, well, yeah, maybe it's- Oh, Edinburgh hosted it one year. Did not know that. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to find. So I'm just trying to find the first time when the winner then hosted. And we're going through quite a few years at the minute. Okay. Oh, when the winner hosted. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah. Well, I know, but France won in 58 and it was in Cannes in 59. But I think that was. Yeah, then France won in 60 and it was in Cannes again in 61. But I think that's more Italy won in 64 and it was in Naples in 65. Yeah, I think mid 60s. I'm getting confused. No, so, but yeah, but then, so France won in 58 and they hosted it in 59. Yeah. Then it was random in 60. But then it was in London. So the the winner in 59 was Germany. It was Netherlands and didn't. Didn't Netherlands, but it was and then it was in London, France won, it was in Cannes, so it was Cannes, London. Cannes. I think up from 61 onwards, from 60, the winners hosted it, and then it does always seem to be no Luxembourg. Oh, it was in Luxembourg. Oh, and no, Luxem- yeah, France won, Luxembourg, and then the following France year it was in London. Yeah, was that's in London, weird. and then that's um, uh, Denmark, and then it was oh, yeah, it was in Copenhagen. Oh, yeah, That's, one year Monaco uh, won, and then it was in Edinburgh. Yeah, bizarre. One year Luxembourg won, and then it was in Brighton the next year. So Weird. what's that one? Hang on, where's that? Oh, that's Spain. Do yeah, you remember? Maybe it was about the 60s then. So Sandy Shaw won in Vienna. Where's Vienna? Yeah. Austria. Austria, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right, Austria won it there. And then... Sandy Shaw won, then it went to London, and Spain won Madrid, Spain won Madrid, London. Uh, that was the four to pick, the four countries winning it in 69, and uh, the following oh, yeah. year it was in Amsterdam, and Netherlands were one of the countries. So, yeah, then it... So it was in Madrid. Lulu then there's a weird in, thing where... And it's, in Madrid, it's in Madrid for, like, four years. When's that? No, it wasn't. Oh, sorry, this, I'm looking at the winners, right? So they all won... And then it was in Amsterdam. Ah, that's what's confusing me. Right. Okay. 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 Yeah. Uh, so Ireland won. Then it was in Dublin. Who won there? Uh, Definitely from seven. From seventy. The weird seventy three Luxembourg won. Seventy four. It was hosted in Brighton. But then I think from seventy four onwards, every winner hosted it because Sweden won the next year's in Stockholm. Then the no, that's year- not true because in seventy eight. Um, Israel won, yeah, and then, then it was in Jerusalem, and Israel oh, yeah. won again. And, and it was they, in the Hague, it was, then it was in the Hague, Ireland won, then it was in Dublin, Britain won, then it was in Harrogate. <laughs> <laughs> I just makes me laugh because nowadays I just can't see Harrogate hosting the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> That's mental. That is... How did they get that? Germany won, and then it went to Munich. Yeah, who's that? Uh, yeah, Luxembourg. It's sheer craziness. 
It is, but yeah, so yeah, roundabout though, it seems to have become a thing. Yeah. But uh oh no, because even then look. No, look, <laughs> where where's Mills where's Mill Street? Mill Street, never heard of it. I don't must know. Be, must be an island. Ireland have won quite a few times, haven't they? They had they had that crazy time in the nineties where they won three years on the bounce, then they didn't win it the following year, and then they won it the next year. So they won four out of five years, Ireland, which That's was crazy. sheer craziness. But See, uh, all these, why why did they go down in favour? What did, what happened? I don't know. Who knows? I love the Father Ted episode, but where it's all about a song for Europe. But we can uh, we can discuss that again a little bit later on. But I think yeah, it's time. They said they can't afford it or something, don't they? Yeah, I think it's time to break away from talking about Eurovision and let's get hard hitting momentarily and talk about war. Now, um, what's the most memorable war in our lifetime? Sounds a bit weird. I'm not celebrating it. Obviously, there's a war going on right now. Before that, I guess it was the sort of Iraq war, was it? There was the Falklands when we were very young. It was probably before your time, the Falklands, I reckon. Before my time, oh, not before your time, though, old boy. No, sadly. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I don't know. When was the Falklands? That was about 82. Was it 80, 81, 82? Yeah, I think I was about three or four at the time, and you were probably still a twinkle. Uh, I don't, I, well, obviously, I can't remember that, those times, <laughs> those hedonistic days of being in the uterus. Um, <laughs> I, um, I, 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 I was born in June, so I was, I was, um, being, uh, I was in the oven, so to speak, I suppose. Yeah. Know, okay. For, for most of it, for the first six months, to be fair. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I don't it, know. It was 82. Think, you're right. It finished in June. When's your birthday? 11th. Oh, it finished on the 14th of June. So my, my birth, mate. Yeah. Stops wars. That's what happened there. That's what it's like. The second coming. That's what happened there. Yeah. The leaders of the UK and Argentine government went, hang on, a baby's yeah. just been born. What's his that's name? That's right. Martin yeah. Hill. Right. That's we better true. stop this. Yeah. Stop they, this. They rang up Mrs. Hill saying, has he been born yet? And she's like, yeah, he's here. <laughs> He's arrived, and she's like, "All right, give me a couple of days to sort shit out, and we'll stop this." And that's what happened. Fourteenth of June, bang, <laughs> war over. Well done, well done. Yeah. Get all yourself done. over to Ukraine then, as a peacekeeper, and say, "Look, all those years ago, it helped." What you're going to do? Don't need to go in, mate. I don't need to be there. Just, <laughs> my existence alone is all that. I don't need to be in any right. Danger. Yeah. Or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I don't remember that. I vaguely remember all the Iraq stuff. Um, yeah. It's not something I've ever sort of focused on, even when it's going ahead. I, I am a bit, when it comes to stuff like, even with this Russia thing now, I'm a little bit of burying my head in the sand a little bit because I don't like, um, well, one, I don't always understand the politics behind it. So I don't yeah, really yeah, know. Yeah. What, like this Russia thing, I, I vaguely get my head around the fact uh, Russia doesn't want them to be part of NATO. That's, I mean, yeah, they see that. Uh, that's as a what I'm. That's what I'm assessing as being the main crux of the issue with Russia and that. Obviously, there's more to it because I think they've been yeah. niggling away for a while. Yeah, but from what I've seen on the news uh, and my understanding of, mainly it is about they don't want them to be any part of NATO, 
and yeah. I think Ukraine want to be or yeah want... no, they do want a bit they want closer ties with the rest of Europe and Russia don't want that don't they because they see it as a threat if countries that are neighboring them become closer to the rest of Europe basic that's my understanding of it what's weird is when it all plays out in the media like this when I was a kid war and sort of political threats used to be something that was miles away and you never really saw anything about yeah, it. yeah exactly yeah, and I remember when the when the sort of Iraq thing started and WMDs and then this war on terror and Afghanistan and all that kind of stuff, you see reporters and cameras there where the war is happening and they have a vest on that says journalist or press or something and you're like what so that saves you and people respect that whilst the war is going on they're like oh don't attack them they're in the press it's like what how can they be be there but they don't seem to be doing that in ukraine so much it 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 gets reported that what what is reported in our media is that ukraine leaders are fantastic and putin is a dangerous sociopath kind of thing and obviously the opposite thing gets reported on the Russian media. And it's it's just really bizarre because you don't see our reporters actually there as in the same way that they were in the Iraq war, I remember. Well, yeah, and I also, because you, you tend to question that as well, are we being fed the information they want us to think that yeah. Russia is in the wrong, just like Russians have been fed that we're in the wrong. Yeah, are we getting the full 50 50 of what's going on? I don't take that to be in any way meaning that I support what's going on. No, sure, because what also is happening that I am very much aware of and what does get my back up, uh, but equally, I don't understand. Like you were just saying, guy with a journalist, like, why aren't they all just wearing a journalist thing and rocking up to them? Yeah, yeah, uh, but equally. The, the rules of war. So yeah. this, while I know there's always been a kind of a, you know, if you're in a fight, there's rules towards the fight. If it's a policed fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it's if it's a war and you've got two countries who genuinely hate each other and you want to attack that person or you hate them, I suppose it depends on the nature of, of, of your animosity towards them. Yeah. But if you dislike someone to the point that you want to attack them yeah. and defeat them and somehow take over their position in the world, which yeah. would be as a country doing that, then where's these rules come into play? I fa- yeah, you're the rules. Who's saying like, no that, civilians? Uh, I like, find no that kids. so bizarre. You go, you go back to wars in medieval times and before, and all right, it's fantasy, but even stuff that's portrayed in like lord of the rings and game of thrones and stuff and it's people on horses it's armies with swords just charging and trying to kill the hell out of each other yeah. and there's no one going well hang on a minute you've just butchered that that's actually a war crime what you've done there you know how when did that come about this is, what, that- this is what throws me the war crime moniker the name of it throws yeah. me. so like <laughs> russia attacks ukraine and everyone stands back and goes oh it's like you know <sighs> I can't even, I don't even want to make light of the situation, but it's genuinely like you've got two kids having a scrap in the garden. They're like, oh, leave them to it. They're just having a little play. Yeah. yeah. Leave them alone on there. And then as soon as one of them bites the ear off the other one, like, oh, that's too much play. <laughs> what are you doing? You can't do that. Like, yeah. It's like we, we'll yeah. let them fight each other, but as soon as they break the rules of war, then we have a go at them. Well, that's but the thing. He's broken them so many times. Yeah, and we're still stood back going, yeah, yeah, he's, he's an idiot. Well, that's he's this thing. Up. It's the first time 
to my knowledge, that a country has attacked another country and caused outrage, global outrage, but the country that's done it has a nuclear capability. And so it's like, yeah, we could all go in and attack Russia and say this is wrong, this is not the way to be, but Russia is such a vast country and then they do have the power. That's the problem, isn't it? So many countries in the world now have a power to fire nuclear weapons and then it's going to decimate so much of the world if that actually happens. So everyone's terrified of instigating something that can bring that about. So that's it's weird. It's like, yeah, we're going to have to let them do it, but we're going to put all these sanctions on them that they still aren't really responding to and not backing down because of. What seems weird to me, and it would be useful because off air just before this, you said you sort of looked at the reasons behind it in, because I don't even know in as much detail. But I know Russia did this thing that keeps being reported. They annexed Crimea, the Crimean Peninsula, about, what, six or seven years ago? And again, like you just said, leave them to it. Everyone else just went, oh, that's a shame. But... Clearly, at the time, there was all this bloodshed, all this fighting, and Russian soldiers overwhelming Crimean soldiers. And and it was allowed to happen and became part of Russia again, having broken away at whatever point. And, and that was OK. And now they're saying, oh, we should have done something when they annexed Crimea. And now they're fighting Ukraine and... It's that that town of Mariupol that kept being reported in the steelworks where they were besieged in it. Wasn't that quite near the Crimean Peninsula? And they're saying if they got that town, then they'd have access to sea routes to bring in troops and things. I, I think, I, basically, yeah. That's uh, I don't know. Uh, you, you've called me on this thing now, so oh, <laughs> I've just gone back of it. So I, I was just trying to bring it up and see if it said anything of... Uh... Because it's weird that it's so recent. It was only the end of February, wasn't it, when they actually invaded and it had been threatened for a while. What was brilliant, well, I say brilliant ironically, what was crazy was on the news and it was reported, ah, the president of France has gone to speak to Putin. He said he's not going to invade Ukraine. He's just mobilising troops as practice and all this. And then it's like, no, they have invaded them. So all that was literally lying to other political leaders' faces, you know. Well, and that's it as well, because he's he's such an idiot. And how people imagine could you we've got him at one side of us. Imagine if we still had Trump at the other. Yeah, I know. Because that's scary. Even, even Trump has said uh, in that interview with Piers Morgan, did you watch that? He said oh, he no. went with words with Putin and he was like, Oh, I wouldn't take rubbish like that. You know, he's got a red button, I've got a red button. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know if you said, basically that was I'm paraphrasing everything. Yeah, said. basically it was but, mine's bigger than yours, wasn't it? It was like if you fire that, I'll fire that and we'll destroy you, sort of thing. Yeah, essentially, Trump would have either I mean, there's no telling. Trump could have defended him. Trump yeah. could have been on his side for all we know. But let's say Trump did for once in his life take the right path and had issue with Putin doing that, it'd have probably just done it by now. Yeah. You wouldn't have even asked questions. Now, is that better or worse? Because they do say that in 2024, if Trump goes in, he'll probably get re-elected. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. don't know if it's because people think, well, if Trump were here, it'd have just sorted him out by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's... Trump's got no shit. Trump, Trump, I don't think, has any fear of death. No, no, sure. I, I think Trump will just keep talking and shooting his mouth off until... But you imagine... 
I mean, we don't know anything about what Putin is really like as a person. You only see on the news, you now only see very negative things said about him. You know, if Putin is anything like Trump, and all right, we only see Trump in the news, but he has been a media personality and therefore you have got more of an insight into what his character is like because he was on The American Apprentice, wasn't he, and all that sort of stuff. So he's clearly very arrogant. He's clearly very stubborn and belligerent, Trump. And if he thinks he's right about something, he will just see it through. Um, If Putin is the same as that, you know, it's a terrible combination. If if, but there there's starting to be weird things reported now. Like, is Putin terminally ill? Are they going to have a coup in Russia because people leaders in Russia are starting to lose faith in what's happened with the war and stuff, and they don't trust him as much? And is that oh, just? I hope fa- we do. Yeah, but is that fake news? Is that actually true? You don't know what to believe, do you? I don't know. How can I, I just don't understand how? one country like Russia can dictate that its surrounding countries do not join NATO. Yeah. If a country is truly independent, as I believe, I know Ukraine was once part of. Yeah. um, Was it the former Soviet Union? The Soviet Union, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So if, if like, how can he say, well, all right, you've got your independence, but we're still going to control what you do and who you talk to and who your friends are. It's like having a a nasty (laughs) ex. (laughs) I know it yeah. sounds like I'm making light of things, but no, I'm no, no. But you're trying to find an analogy, yeah. Um, yeah. And it is a bit like that. you know, you can't go off with someone else. But what does he think is going to happen if they join NATO? I think Ukraine just wants that security. And more to the point, what's stopping? Uh, is is it the red button that is causing NATO to not go just sign here and you're part of it? We'll defend you. Well, what's strange is. Yeah, because... And isn't that the point of NATO? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And surely, there's yes, you, there's all this sort of posturing and this, oh, we've got nuclear weapons and we could fire them if we're threatened. And the whole thing is Russia feels threatened by Ukraine having closer ties with Europe and it's stopping their own development, I believe. But it's like now Sweden and Finland want to join NATO. I didn't even realise before this they weren't part of NATO. And Russia is seeing that as a threat because they're all Finland. It also is a neighbor of Russia. Um, And you're kind of like, but yeah, they should be allowed to if they want to. But equally, so should Ukraine. It's it's like, are we going to go, you know, Ireland want to do something, but because it's our neighbor, they're not allowed. I know we've got whole other issues with Ireland at the minute and Brexit and the deal and power sharing and all that kind of business so it's maybe a bad analogy but all right france is our other next nearest neighbor if france went we're going to do this we're going to we, are we going to say well we feel threatened by that so we're going to invade france it's just you can't imagine it in today's world that anybody would go on like that yeah it is that thing as well though isn't it like you think we've got past that kind of school bully mentality of uh, uh, of bossing someone around on who they can speak. It's just, if it's an independent country, they should have the right to do what they want. Yeah. And if they respect that, I don't understand why there should be an issue. Yeah. Unless Putin is planning something bigger, why does yeah. he care whose Ukraine's allegiances, uh, allegiance is to? Yeah, yeah. Because why does... Why does Russia feel better if Ukraine remains totally independent? 
or they actually want to reabsorb Ukraine and have a bigger territory themselves. But then, you know, what you think about the, the final goal of that is to have generations of people from a country absolutely detesting the country that have overrun them. And they're yeah. what they hope in 50, 75 years, those people will have died and there'll be people that only know the Russian rule and will just accept it. Then, you know, it seems so far ahead to get what you want. It's crazy to even bother to try. Well, unless he's trying to do the same as, you know, like Hitler did and world dominate. And to be fair, what we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we took over enough places at the same time. But I think the only distinction uh well i mean i say this i wasn't there at the time i'm just assessing i think the thing with us taking over a lot of the world countries like we did i'd like to think and i i I mean i'd happily be wrong yeah not happily be wrong but (laughs) i think i think we took over or we necessarily invaded quote unquote uh for the bettermanship of that place. Yeah, yeah. Like the empire, a lot of the places that we took over, or that is now the Commonwealth, were further behind us in that respect. And I, Although we did take over them in a leadership capacity, well, no, it's hard. I'm trying to justify something that I, I suppose I don't fully understand. Yeah. In my mind, um, those places have become somewhat more up to date, if you like, because of our involvement with yeah, them. like more advanced, maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly yeah. an and, argument, and that. probably even taking over. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but you look at like America historically, there was like I don't know enough about different people and regimes that were dominant, but I know there was the Roman Empire that did want to try and take over everywhere, didn't it? And then you had Persians and whatever, and then you had Egyptians, and then you've had sort of the British and the British Empire trying to rule everything. But it seems as time's gone on, there's just more and more tolerance of the fact that there are other cultures and other nations in the world and let them get on with it. And there are nations that ask for support from other countries in a better situation that get support or don't get support for whatever reason. And it's kind of just like everyone should be allowed to rule themselves. Now you've gone away from that barbaric thing of, we're just going to attack that country and have that land and that's us then. It, it sort of feels like that that was so long ago. It's a totally different way of thinking. And yeah, even that's kind of what I meant by that. Yeah. Like, I don't like, although at the time there might have been some wars in in terms of that, like the whole American independence thing was then breaking away from us and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Obviously it's not been easy all the way around, but even nowadays, I think we acknowledge that they are different because wasn't there someone who just left the Commonwealth? Was it like Bahamas or Barbados? Oh, or yeah. Like no, yes. Who uh, said, actually, we want to be our own sovereign state. And I think the Queen just went, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even, it was just like a news headline. It wasn't even like a massive thing. Just like, yeah, we, we're, we're happy now. We'll, we'll, if we're all right to leave the Commonwealth, so we will. Yeah. And I think, I think it was just like, all right, do it. Off you go. Uh, <laughs> You know, all, all the best. Very British. Uh, all the best. Team crumpets, whatever. Uh, and I, I don't think we have that maliciousness against them for leaving. 
no, or no. to be their own independent thing. From everything I'm well, aware when of, you, it's still a very good relationship. When you think about that and think about relatively, like we're talking about, oh, medieval times and, you know, BC times and things when it was just attack another place and take over the land. You think how relatively recently something like the Falklands is, which was an argument over who owns a little island off the coast of South America. And it's like, why? Yeah, true. That, why was that us? Yeah, that why? Yeah, that was us, isn't it? I seem to remember my cousin being at the Falklands. Uh, yeah, I, don't at, I don't. I don't think he was at it. But uh, I've since been to the Falklands. My dad and I did a cruise, and we went around South America, and it stopped in the Falklands. And there was almost a sort of international political incident because the boat had docked in the Falklands. The Argentinian authorities wouldn't give it permission to dock at its next supposed port, which came under Argentinian territory. And so we had to miss a port and carry on round to Chile or something. And you kind of think it's crazy that that was what, seven, eight, nine years ago when that happened. And you think even then it was like because of a boat that belonged to Britain sailing in a certain part of like having visited the Falklands and trying to go to Argentina, it was causing offence to the Argentinian authorities. Yeah. Just, wasn't that mainly, and that's a, a slightly different, that's like an ownership thing, though, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who owned the island? So that's you taking, that's one country and another country trying to take ownership of a specific place. Yeah. That I kind of get. But if the Falklands, uh, you know, Falklands is ours, and if they piped up and said, actually, we're all right on our own, if yeah. they decide themselves that they want independence, then... Maybe there's a way that that would be. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. Yeah, out, it's got to be a... someone else coming in and saying we own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know it's very contradictory because we've got the. I say slightly, but we've got the ever we've got Edinburgh, uh, Edinburgh, Scotland knocking on the door saying, you know, yeah, we want our own, and we're reluctant to give that. But I think that's because they're still part of us in yeah. many senses. And yeah, it's not an overseas territory that's a long way away that you can understand could rule itself or go to rule of another larger place nearer it. Yeah. It's that's it's very bizarre. And it I mean you can see a time in the future. You think of relatively recently the Soviet Union broke up and now there's all these countries that didn't used to exist like Latvia, Lithuania and Estonia and Ukraine, for instance. And then even more recently, you used to have Czechoslovakia and you've now got Czech Republic and Slovakia and Yugoslavia is now broken up into all those places. It's not inconceivable and it wouldn't be ridiculously unreasonable to think in 100, 200 years' time, you could have England, Scotland and Wales and Ireland be two all separate countries, you know, governing themselves. You can. Uh, to be honest, it probably will happen at some point. I think at some point Scotland will, uh, and Northern Ireland, I, I think they will sort of go down that route of separating. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's. Um, I don't think it's an easy process. And I think. No, uh, definitely because, not. Because of that, it's even harder for. Um, I mean, the amount of work that go into it, they don't even like so they don't even have like their own currency, their own setup. They don't have, yeah, I don't even think they've got their own military. Uh, there's so many things to put in place before you say, Oh, yeah, we're on our own, yeah. And to me, that's kind of logical, but I don't think she thinks 
I don't know what the plan is because every time she's been asked for a plan, she's never given one. Oh, who that Nicola Sturgeon? You mean? Yeah, I don't like her. I, I mean, <laughs> she I speaks quite highly of you. So. Yeah, I could probably <laughs> live with independence if there was someone else manning it. But yeah, but she, I just—it's <clears throat> kind of like she's just shouting for shouting's sake. And every time she's asked a question on, well, what are you going to do? She's like, ah, oh, I, I will sort it out. When you know, just give it, <laughs> yeah. just give us it. What do you want it for? Because I want it. Just give it me. Yeah, it's. Like, it's I know I'm I'm very conscious of the fact I'm boiling everything down to child's play here, but it it is that kind of mentality that I think people have because no one has a reason for doing anything that they're doing, or if they are, they're not saying it. Well, well funny to get back to Ukraine and Russia a minute. When you talk about child's play, the thing that happens commonly in arguments and is seen as childish is someone just won't back down, even though they can see what they've done is actually not great and has not been well received. And just out of stubbornness, you're kind of like, no, I'm right. I'm going to keep going. And that's the worry about Putin, because it does seem like now with hindsight, it's like he thought, I think when they took over Crimea again a few years back, it all happened very quickly. And the people that were defending it were overwhelmed very quickly. And it was just like tough. Everyone we've done this. It's too late was like I can't remember within a couple of weeks sort of thing and it's like he thought that would happen with Ukraine that he would just take over and be able to put a government in place that was pro-Russian and get everything he wanted politically to achieve in Ukraine and it's like he's gone oh my god that hasn't happened they've actually fought back and resisted and the whole of Europe instead of infighting amongst themselves it's galvanized everyone to kind of react against us but it's like he can't back down now. He can't be seen to have backed down. You kind of think, how is this going to end? I cannot see a way it ends for Putin other than him being deposed as leader, tried for war crimes or getting killed. You know, it's just there can't be a good end for it. So what's the... Um, I forgot what I was going to say. because the, the war crimes thing, firstly. What? Let's... Right, so... When this, when does he get accused of it? When does he get? Yeah, I mean, do this? you have to this, wait when and... everything's finished? Does yeah. then go right? You get get into this courtroom. I, I don't. I, in my I limited know. knowledge of how it works, all I know is when people were tried for war crimes in the sort of Bosnian, Serbia, Yugos, former Yugoslavian war, and that all happened after the war had finished, didn't it? So I remember who, seeing who tries him. I, I don't know. I have no idea how that would. Yeah. How does he accept if he doesn't accept, you know, other countries wanting to join NATO and join Europe? How is he going to accept if some authority goes, right, we're trying you for war crimes? You're just no, you're not. You know, it will be like, well, I don't accept that. Yeah. yeah someone has to be the authority to try him on those war crimes. So I don't know who that is. Yeah. Unless, yeah. He's, unless he's just going to do like Trump did with the election and go, oh, didn't happen. We won that war. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, but you don't yeah. have, you don't have Ukraine. Yeah. But we won it. <laughs> yeah, all right. And also, yeah. we've given Ukraine a load of weapons and a load of aid. Yeah. How is that any different from them being in NATO? Yeah, I know. Oh, that, but that's the crazy thing. It's like there's a sort of limit, there's a sort of line that if you go past that, is, you know, is incendiary and starts everything up to higher levels. But it's kind of like, well, we've done a lot of stuff that... So what, we, we can give them all the ammunition that they need, all the guns, all the tanks, all anything they want. But if we send a body over there yeah. to yeah, fight exactly. for them, <laughs> yeah. that means that we're breaking the, that means we're against what they want and they're yeah. gonna kick off, are they? I don't, How's no, about yeah. then 
We give the president of Ukraine the red button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then say, right, what are you going to do now? You know, <laughs> I, I've got a nuke now. Now what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, well knowing him, he'll just fire his, to be fair. Well, it's... Because uh... that's the thing. He ain't going to quit now. You're right. You're no. 100% right about that. He is like a petulant kid who's started something and now won't stop, regardless of what the situation is. Yeah. And in my opinion, there's only... You know, there isn't. I don't think he will be tried for war crime because if he loses, it's because he's dead. Yeah, that's how that that's how this ends is his death. To be honest, because he's just like Trump in every way, and I don't think he's going to call himself off. I don't think he's going to stop anything, and I don't think he's going to ever admit he was wrong. And he'll do it again at the first chance that he gets. Yeah. So he's either he's either out of power and. The only way you stop someone like him out of power is by off. Either needs to be, either will be assassinated, or his punishment for the crimes has to be one hundred percent secure lock up and secure uh, yeah. locking. And I'm talking like Alcatraz level <laughs> lock up. In fact, just put him on Alcatraz. Just stick him out there in a cage and let people come and look at him for ill hate that. I'm glad glad we've got to that because unfortunately we're going to have to bring this episode to a close now. Who'd have thought we could merge the hard hitting topics of Eurovision and war together, but I feel we've achieved it. And nice to finish with something that reminds me of the film, the rock with Nicolas Cage on Alcatraz. So uh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, please do go back to the beginning of this podcast and listen to our uh, requests again at Feud Thoughts on Twitter. Just send us a tweet. And if you want, you can ask me a question in that tweet. Not Martin. You can ask me and I will answer all your questions in the next episode. Maybe after that, we'll let you ask Martin questions. But at Feud Thoughts, tweet us. And uh, not if you're not keen, you don't have to. (laughs) But I think, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. So from myself, Ben Simmons, and my as ever esteemed, what's that? Esteemed colleague. Me, Martin Hill. I'm sorry, I blew it. The the sign-off's all gone violently wrong. Um, You blew the start as well, Ben. Don't worry about it. Uh, We'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye-bye.